Do you believe it's already won and done? Well, on this installment of The Grind Defined, we're going to be talking about owning our divine design, five blockers and five boosters. So get yourself in a comfortable seat and have those listening ears ready because the grind is so official right now. people greetings and welcome to the grind Define. Terrell and Michelle here certified spiritual mindset and wellness coach helping high achieving women find fluidity between their emotional spiritual and physical well-being by bridging the gap between who they are in service and who they were designated to be by our creator I'm so excited to be in TGD studios today with today's topic You have to know what today's topic is. I know you do because you clicked on it before you came here, but I'm going to tell you anyway. You're divinely designed, so it's one and done. You know, more times than not, life will make us forget this. Forget that there's an ending that details our victory. It's there. It's so there. But there are some things that we should be aware of because we can block certain things, us receiving a connection or even coming to a space where we understand what our divine design is and then we're able to own, meaning stand in, chest up, shoulders back, walk in it, own it, be it, you know, sometimes it's hard to do that. So today's show is going to be geared at giving you a couple things to think about, five things that may block and five things that may definitely set us free. All right. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. But before we do that, you know, I always have to start with a little bit of housekeeping. If you're listening for the first time today, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to check me out here on The Grind to Find. And uh, if you're not following me, well, you should be. The best way to do that is to log on to thegrindtofind.com. Click on the links, click on feed, and that way you can follow me. Many different apps to choose from. You can get some plain tea that way. If you're someone who likes a little extra in your tea, I don't know what your extra may be. I could come up with some ideas, but I think I'll spare you that. Maybe just for today. But if you want a little extra in your tea, like specifics about episodes, including um, titles, guests, things going on with The Grind Define, as well as TerrellandMichelle.com, you're definitely going to want to be on the list. So make sure that you either get you some plain tea by following or get you some tea with some stuff in it by joining the list. Now, I wanted to take a moment to thank each and every one of you for really and truly showing up and supporting me and this podcast. I love what I do. (laughs) Clearly, I hope you feel that. I hope you feel the love. And there's nothing like being in a space where I can share what it is that I share. And it's something that connects with anyone out there who chooses to take time, their valuable time to listen. So I appreciate the feedback. I appreciate the emails that I've gotten thus far. I just appreciate you guys being here. And there's so much more to come because, hey, we need more spaces, communities where we're all together 
and we're doing the work that we need to do to make sure that as we navigate the grind of this life, you know, because the grind is is not going anywhere. It's always going to be there. While we're navigating the grind, we're able to connect with like-minded people and share what it is that we have to make this journey one that's a lot more palatable than what it can be at times. So just had to pause for the cause and say thank you guys so much. There's still much more to come and I am so happy to have you here for it. All right. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the conversation. Hey, it's time to make it happen. Let's do it. When I was growing up, my mother was always taking pictures. I mean, she has been that person throughout the years where whenever someone wanted to know if there was a picture at some event somewhere, they call Nene. To this day, she has picture books so old that some of the plastic pages are now yellow. The yellowing edges, the crispiness (laughs) of the book as you pick it up, bubbling of the covers and some of the spines are looking rather tatted, look like some baby got a hold to them and was just chewing on them for a while, but none of that matters. What matters is all of the memories laying out on those pages. And because my mother took all those pictures when we were growing up, I did the exact same thing when I have my family and they were growing up, took lots and lots of pictures. And then I got to really appreciate looking back on life because there's something about taking a look back that makes you see things that you didn't see when you were living in that moment. For example, I'm pretty sure that every woman listening to this broadcast right now can recall a time when you pulled out an old picture and you looked back at a certain space and time in your life and you were like, wait a minute, I don't recall looking the way I see myself on this photograph now for me. Child, I thought I was the ugliest person on the planet at this one at this one time in my life. I had just recently had a baby, and aside from the baby weight, it was something about that space in my life where I just couldn't find anything right about myself. I remember how I felt. I remember the weight of those emotions. I remember feeling as though I was the only one who could see the truth and everyone else was just telling lies that they couldn't see. It was like no one could understand where I was coming from. And it was so very deep within me. I actually suffered from body dysmorphia for a while. And if you guys don't know what that is, I was literally walking around on the legs of my pants. I'd lost so much weight. I was probably at that point in time maybe 115 pounds. But when I looked in the mirror, I saw a 200-pound woman. And so I struggled for a while with my identity with myself. I, for the life of me, could not see an accurate representation of who I was. Fast forward some years, I'm going through these picture books. I pull out a picture that was from that time frame that the, the picture brought back those emotions. It brought back the way I saw myself back then. And when I'm looking at that picture, I was so beautiful. Everything about me was beautiful. Actually, I could have stand and put on some weight, (laughs) but I was beautiful in so many different ways that I had this glow and this light about me. But that glow and that light had nothing to do with the fact that I had just given birth. That glow and that light had to do with 
a liveliness within me that only God could have put there. So then the question for me became, how could I not see this? More so than that, how could I have seen what I did see? How could who I was become so completely and totally foreign to me? It was actually like I was a visitor in my own body. I mean, think about that for a minute. Once you're born into this body, our soul is implanted there. That is where it shall be until my grandmother used to say your head cools. Until you pass away and you are no more, you don't get the opportunity to get another body. You can have the body that you have reconstructed. You can change different things about it. You can do with the body whatever it is that you want to do, but you're not going to get a second body. <laughs> that is the only space that your soul will inhabit while you're here on this planet. So feeling like a visitor in my temple that God appointed to me, the weight of it all was much too much. And I wondered back then, why? Well, I didn't have an answer to that back then, but I have an answer for myself now. And the reason why I felt like a visitor in my temple is because the one thing missing was me having my own intimate connection with God so that I was able to see myself the way that he saw me. I was only able to see myself superficially. I had no connection to who I was spiritually. I had no idea that I was divinely designed. I mean, I don't know that I had necessarily heard those exact words back then. However, I did get the message that in some way I was supposed to be created to be something special, something unique. So now my journey would begin. I needed to know not only how to connect, but I imagine what must that be like? I mean, when I thought about connection, the only one that I knew of when you became one, could a connection to God be something that radiates through you like the perfect orgasm that lingers even after it's gone? That if you have a thought about what that moment was like, it can take you back. You can tap into it over and over and over again. From what I was told, this type of relationship, this intimacy, is very much like that. Except, of course, the obvious is spiritual and not physical. But how would I be able to get to this spiritual space? And what's the reason why I hadn't made it there just yet? So as we move into our content, there is something that I would like for you to keep in your mind. We'll revisit it a little bit later, but something I want you to think about, and that is, if what we become is what we believe, then what does it mean to live in belief? So I think it would be helpful before we get into our discussion to go ahead and define divine design. And my definition for divine design is a unique gifting or anointing from God that supports, strengthens, and ignites others to move closer to their gifting while revealing your glory in his sight. This is going to be a direct expression of God's reason for your creation, your purpose, thereby fueled with passion generated by a clear connection to your divine mission in life. Far too many times uh, we become disconnected from God's ending 
far stories that's already written. And so hopefully through the course of what is discussed today, there are some pieces that resonate with you for your journey. Let's start with five things that block us from owning our divine design. I'm going to go ahead and list them and then I'll go back through them and talk a little bit about each one. Number one, it's going to be vanity. Two, isolation. Three, the need for validation. Four, low self-esteem or self-worth. And number five, unforgiveness. Now more than ever, society is so very individualized. There's a lot of emphasis on self and that emphasis on self has to do with appearances. Keeping up appearances is so important what the individual looks like. Now that's not to say that that wasn't always something that was uh, important to people because sure it has been, but to the extent that it is today, that's a huge change from the days of old when there was more of a communal aspect. You have more people caring about their neighbor than what they do today. These days, the disconnection from your fellow man, being your brother or sister's keeper, so much emphasis on what works for the individual, what's right for the individual. If your primary focus is what works best for you, that's a huge blockade that can keep you from connecting to and standing in your own divine design simply because God, or basically the, the, the definition when you think about what a God is, it's for everybody. It's not about self. It's about each other as a whole. This is the reason why focus on self is a huge blockade from being able to connect to and stand in who you were divinely designed to be. Number two, isolation. Isolation is a dangerous one simply because time off by oneself, especially when there are challenging times, it is the optimal breeding ground for any and everything that is negative and detrimental to your spiritual as well as um, mental and emotional health. Everything can really fester and grow in that space because there's no one that you allow yourself to be connected to to show you another way. This space makes it easier to avoid any personal growth and it also enables a person to stay in their comfort zone. There are a lot of people who can say, you know, yeah, I'm a loner, you know, I, I, I prefer to be by myself. Which, yeah, there's a difference in being a loner and isolating. Isolating is a way of unplugging and choosing not to do work to get out of it. Now, I'm in no way, shape, or form saying that if uh, this is a space that a listener happens to be in, that it's something that they voluntarily say, eh, you know, I'm going to stay in. I do understand that um, when we come up with certain defense mechanisms, go about using whatever defense mechanism we have, that can become a habit and habits are hard to break. And so I definitely do get that part. But even still, with it being a habit, at some point, the person would have to choose to do the hard work to step forward and to go beyond what has become the norm for them, a toxic norm for them. Remember, God is all about community. We're all meant to be a support and a service to one another. And 
when we isolate ourselves from community, isolate ourselves from conversations, perspectives, um, isolate ourselves from the possible support of other people around us, it's a definite blockade to discovering or maybe even being able to, if you've already discovered, reconnect to your own divine design. Uh, Number three, validation. What I'll say about validation is uh, we're all imperfect and flawed creatures. So imagine looking for validation as a flawed creature from another flawed creature or human being, calling us creatures like we're freaking, um, I don't know, from Independence Day or something. I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. (laughs) I hope you know in listening to this. You probably listen. I ain't no doggone creature. What you talking about? What you talking about, Willis? No, let me stop. <laughs> but <laughs> no, seriously though, but um, that's the thing. That space in which we try to find who we are or reconnect to who we are. Sometimes um, it may feel like you're crawling in your skin. I know I felt that way. I felt like I was crawling in my skin and I'm like, good Lord, there has to be, what am I missing? And so if you've ever gone through that space of, trying on some things until it fits and usually if you're trying on things that fit there are things that you see around you that look like they're working for other people since what's going on with you is not working for you meanwhile God just sitting up there looking like why has it been full score in seven years and she's still running around in that lilac field over there why is she in that field like that she gotta be itching I don't know, but, you know, God just confused. He's like, what in the world? But anyway, see, here I go, squirrel. But, um, (laughs) for real. But that's the thing. The trying on to see what fits, only to live a little bit and find out the only thing that fits is going to be from within and us connecting to and with that connection, understanding that that connection is what creates the clarity for us to be able to see who we really are and become excited about what that prospect could be. Number four, low self-esteem or low self-worth. Well, it's hard, it, it would be hard, or it is hard, to connect to anything dealing with God if we don't feel like we're worth it, if we don't feel like we have any value. And I'm gonna talk a little bit more about value later on as well. It's going to be very, 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 very challenging to do the work to connect if there's a reel in your mind playing that's telling you that you're not worth your own effort and that your effort really wouldn't mean that much for God. It wouldn't mean that much for Tiffany or Daniel or Stephen, but not so much for you. And number five, unforgiveness. What I will say about unforgiveness is it's one of those types of things where that's much more doable when you are able to do it for yourself. And what I mean by that is we tend to see people the way we see ourselves. So for example, if you're someone who tends to tell little white lies, then you tend to believe that other people are telling little white lies to you. If you're someone who tends to steal or you don't pick up things here and there, then you're always guarding your stuff because you think someone may do that to you. If you're someone who's relatively an honest person, then you tend to be one to give people the benefit of the doubt. When it comes to unforgiveness, I've learned from uh, many clients that I've had as well as personal experience. When I was going through my time, I was like, bump that, done, cut them off, dead them, 
to the world blow up when that was where I was at it was hard for me I, I was that way because uh, it was hard for me to forgive people because uh, it was very challenging for me to forgive myself and I'm not saying that this is necessarily true for everyone there's exceptions to every rule but I found that for a lot of people that's the case you know so that's all I'll say about that so what then does God require for us at minimum to get to a space where we can truly connect to him and in doing so we're able to connect to and own our divine design well there are three things that I'm going to talk about today in no particular order number one would be obedience I know mm-hmm yeah, it's not easy. <laughs> but obedience. Because when you get to a space where you connect, in order for you to truly step into and flourish in who he created you to be, I mean, because he designed you and gave you specific gifts, some that you're not even aware of, in order for you to discover what they are and unearth the sheer spectacular, overly abundant, and just gloriously beautiful way in which those gifts work and how you're supposed to work them. You'd have to be opening to taking some instruction before you can move on your own in some way. So obedience is going to be one of them. Character. Yeah, well, for obvious reasons, you know. Character is going to be huge. And then finally, trust. And, um trust there's an acronym for it that is not mine but I love it uh Marshawn Evans Daniels has this uh, this is her acronym for trust and it's total reliance upon spiritual timing don't you love that total reliance upon spiritual timing uh if you listen to episode two of the grind to find I talked about balance versus fluidity And even though I did not use this acronym when I talked about uh, the spiritual construct of uh, fluidity, that's basically what fluidity is. It's allowing yourself to be led by your spirit. And when you're led by your spirit, that has nothing to do with earthly timing or your own personal timing. It's, It's all about God's timing. So the three requirements that God has for us when it comes to us living a life in dedication to him that's going to be obedience character and trust and that's because these are necessary for us to connect to him to live in him and to grow in him and to be able to manifest in our divine design so now we're going to go over to the other side of things and we're going to talk about five steps to owning your divine design we're going to do that right after this you don't want to go anywhere Let's face it, our health is our wealth and a critical component in defining our grind every day. This is Terrell and Michelle, Certified Spiritual Mindset and Wellness Coach, and I want to invite you to join my ongoing journey to make my temple, my body, the primary gear in my grind to the next level. Log on to terrellandmichelle.com and click on Wellness to see my journey, testimonials, and schedule a chat to learn how to become a member of Team Terrellin'. Hey, don't wait until the new year to start. Go into the new year with results. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Welcome, welcome. So let's get right back into things. Uh, We left off 
for our discussion around uh, your divinely designed, so it's one and done. We left off in the last segment talking about five things that would block us from owning our God identity. And in this segment, we're going to talk about five things that help to get us closer to owning our divine design. We're going to begin with uh, becoming clear on your God identity. And this is important because when you're clear on your God identity, it helps to govern your mindset and your movements. Now, let's talk about identity for a minute. Let's define identity as who we experience ourselves to be. And our God identity is who we experience ourselves to be in God. Okay? So with that understanding, this conversation is so very important because when we're talking about identity and God is not involved, our identity can easily be associated with or tied to things like financial status, successes, our appearance, our job or career, or what other people have to say about us. But when we're operating at a space of trying to become clear on our God identity, now the association becomes one with one of the most valuable foundational things that we would need within our spirituality. And you know what that is? Our words. Coming to this understanding was critical for me because when I tell you my mouth has been a weapon (laughs) in my day, it has been. I didn't realize that along my journey of seeking God within me and connecting with God, one of the primary things that kept me blocked was not understanding the power of my words and the power of my tongue. If you speak it out of your mouth, then you believe it in your mind and you'll replay it in your mind over and over and over again. Um, I would like to reference John. Uh, It's going to be the book of John 1, chapter 1, NIV, and it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. You hear me? This is so important because if we're operating in our God identity, we have to be careful with what plays in our mind and what comes out of our mouths. And so at the basic, at the most basic level, understanding the power of our words when they're spoken aloud and even in our heads is critical to elevating spiritually. Our words are a direct extension of our likeness to God. That's going to be number one. Number two, we must do the work so that we know our importance to God. You know, we all have moments where we feel on the inside like we're not being heard or seen by God. That's just the way it is going throughout life. And it's so important to understand that even though we may feel that way, that's never true. When I was in this space, one scripture that was of comfort to me was Isaiah 49, 15 through 16 NIV. And it says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may not forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. That's our reminder that even in the quietest of times, we're never forgotten. Silence is golden. 
if you've ever allowed yourself to take a moment to be in silence, especially when there's so much um, noise in our lives, conflict, discord, if you've ever gone to a place of silence, sometimes when you get in that space, it seems like things become louder. But as you allow yourself to be present in that space, yes, things may be louder in the beginning, but then things start to calm, things start to clear. You allow yourself to focus and really meditate because I, I love to meditate. I've been doing it for many years. I'm a yogi and my meditating had uh, nothing to do in the beginning with yoga, but it was a natural progression for me. But I know the importance of being able to go into a space that's quiet and have the discipline and the practice to quiet and calm your mind. Once you decide that that space is going to be an intimate space for you and God, then now it's up for you to hold authority over that space so that nothing else can occupy it. It's quite a practice where if you, you haven't done it or haven't gotten into it, I would highly recommend getting into meditation because when it comes to knowing and owning your importance, we have to create a climate for that to be able to happen, for that intimacy to be able to happen. Number three is going to be courage. It's a must. We have to own and stand in our gifts. And part of connecting to our God identity and being able to therefore get that intimacy that I spoke about in the first segment with God and grow in our divine design. We have to own it. We have to have courage to actually stand in it. And one of the things that helps us to get to that space is introspection. You know, introspection is it's hard. <laughs> it is very hard to go to the spaces that we'd like to forget or avoid. It's hard to go to those places. It, it starts off being a heck of a low, but your ultimate safety net when you go there is the creator. You know, and I, I'm going to tell you, I talked about in, um, I think it was, yeah, it was, it was the last episode. <laughs> I talked about in the spoken word piece. No, actually it was episode one. I talked about in a spot check, taking a look in that mirror. And I'm going to tell you something, taking a look in that mirror, being ready, first of all, because I had to get to the space where I was ready to take a look in that mirror and own everything that I hated. Oprah talked about an ugly cry. Mm-mm, I had what you call a cracking cry. And I didn't say crackling, like pork cracklings. I'm talking about cracking. Okay, do you guys remember Clash of the Titans where they had Medusa, you know, they had to go and, and the snake lady and cut off her head because uh, she was so ugly that if you looked at her, you'd be turned to stone where they had to cut the head off the stake lady and take the head over to where the Kraken was. This was the, the big sea monster that was going to come out and kill the princess as a sacrifice. I don't forgot why they were sacrificed to the princess. But anyway, the guy who was going to save the princess, he had to cut off Medusa's head and take it and show it to the Kraken so the Kraken would turn to stone. And if you don't know what the Kraken looks like, Google it. When I was crying, that's how I was looking. That's how toe up my face was. I had a crack and cry. Because <laughs> when you decide to go to that space 
of introspection. It's difficult because what you're saying is that everything that I've feared and that I've been running from, I now know that there is no need to run. I'm going to go to these places and I'm going to trust that God is going to take me through them. And if you only go as far as an ugly cry, good for you. But if you go go crack and crying like how I did, understand that it's so worth that moment because the freedom on the other side of the crack and cry is for a lifetime. And when you develop the courage in your divine design, your work within your divine design starts to show through. You start to radiate everything that he created you to be. In essence, you radiate the God in you. And um, a a good example of this, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 7 NIV, it says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. We all have what we need within us to manifest what we need from God to move forward. We just have to have the courage to go forth and do it. Number four, seek the cleansing space stillness and quiet creates. I know we just talked about creating quiet with meditation when it comes to connecting to courage for what it is that we have to do in God. But I want to go a little bit further with that because this is super important, majorly important. Think about this. Why do we put kids in timeout? We put them in timeout because it calms and centers them. It gives them a a way, a reason to unplug from what had them all riled up and to get them to just be in a space of peace and calm. And sometimes it takes them a minute to get there, to decompress. But the point is to get them to disrupt the pattern of what it was that they were doing, what they were thinking, the things around them. Disrupt that pattern. This is similar to an example that actually um, Marshawn Evans Daniels used, which I really, I love, it's, it's great. It was in alignment with what I thought about time out with baby. She took it a step further. She said that, and I'm paraphrasing of course, but she said that um, the first time that we had that stillness and peace with ourselves was the time that we spend in the womb. And we were in that womb still until the time was right for us to move. And so why is this important? Well, at the end of the day, when you're moving without aligning stillness, this is where the confusion, the overwhelm, the anxiety comes from. It is so very essential for us to take the time to pause and to completely and totally unplug. And having the discipline to be able to do that gets you so much closer to owning and stepping in that God identity completely. I think about Psalm 46 and 10 uh, NIV and it says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. It's so important for us to understand that when we create that space of peace, it's like an open invitation for God to come in and connect with us exactly where we are and to be able to speak to exactly what we need. And finally, number five on the list is going to be to keep an open heart. 
This is so very necessary. And spoiler alert, the same way in which you've been offended by other people is the same way in which you have intentionally or unintentionally offended. So we have to get over ourselves. Why am I saying this? Because I want to touch a little bit more on unforgiveness. And the reason why is because this is so hard. It's so hard for all of us, even someone who's really good at letting go and having forgiveness. There are still certain things that can happen where it takes some time for us to work through them. It's not always an instantaneous thing. I think more times than not, it's not instantaneous to forgive someone, but it's much more doable to keep our heart open when we understand that there hasn't been a time that we've existed, that we haven't hurt someone in the same way that we've been hurt. Now, I didn't say it was the same circumstance. I didn't say it was the same situation. But at the end of the day, the situation and the circumstance really doesn't matter. Hurt is hurt. The different reasons why it happens, yeah, you know, that's tomato to model. But we have to get over ourselves. We have to move beyond what the physical tells us the value of our emotions are in certain situations. We put much more value on how we feel than our mission. So at the end of the day, just at the simplest point, do we care more about the mission or do we care about the individual man? And when I say man, I'm talking mankind, I'm, you know, man or woman. Are we more concerned with the mission or more concerned with the people? that we encounter. And the mission has to be above everything. Uh, Ephesians 4.32 NIV says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as we are forgiven. Because at the end of the day, we all fall short. What matters is what we choose to do as individuals in response to that. How we choose to interpret that, how we choose to deal with it, and whether or not we're gonna hold on to it and drag that along and skew us from the path of our mission. That's what it has to be about. So mission or man, it's up to you. So that is it for content today, but before I close out, I want to paint a visual for your mind that you can take with you, because I'm gonna tell you something. Defining this grind on our own terms, there's so many intricacies and pieces that we have to consider, but all of the pieces that we need are there as long as we tap in to God, as long as we, the, the goal is to continue to define our God identity by living out in that space. And so let's think of life as a lens. Imagine a circle. And let's make this circle mosaic. It has those beautiful cracks in it. And imagine the different colors of the rainbow. There's red glass, there's blue glass, there's, there's green glass, there's orange glass, there's purple. Think of all the yellow. Think of all the different colors that you can imagine in this circular mosaic piece that we're going to call our lens for life. And with all of those beautiful colors, that lens, however, for our life, if you've ever seen a mosaic glass, you know how beautiful those colors are, but what happens after it rains and that glass is all gritty? You can still see those colors, but they're hazy. They don't shine as bright as they would if the glass was clean. So imagine going through 
this process that we just discussed, five steps to owning your divine design. Imagine becoming clear on your, on your God identity. And when you did that, all of the yellow elements of the glass were cleaned up and they started to shine. Now the yellow is beaming brightly through that glass while the other pieces are still hazy. But then you go ahead from there and you start to do your work so you know your importance in God. And then all of a sudden, now you have the red pieces. Those are all shined up nice and bright and beautiful like the yellow. If you're imagining this glass and the sun is hitting it, you have that yellow that's just beaming bright and that red that's so crisp and beautiful. The other colors, you can see them, but they're still hazy. And then you decide to work on your courage. And maybe courage cleans up the green. You get where I'm going with this. As you continue to take these different steps to clear the lens for your life, before you know it, those different pieces of glass with all those beautiful colors, because God is color. If you think about all of the things that keep us healthy and that are great for our bodies and our environment, they're all some of the most vibrant, beautiful colors. If you think about the way we're supposed to eat, what's the ideal plate? It's full of color. When you start to clear the lens for your life, all of a sudden, things look differently. If you're looking through glass that's hazy and dirty and distorted, there's only so much you can see and whatever you can see, that's not actually the, the reality of what that thing is. It's not until you clean that lens up, clean that lens for your life, start to clear it, that things start to look a whole lot different than what they did before. So. What does it look like to live in belief? To live in belief means you move as though pieces you believe are missing in your life already exist because the reality is they actually do. Our journey is to get our connection with God so that we're able to own and live in our divine design authentically. And that's when those pieces that we did not see not only begin to appear, but we're given the tools that we need to be elevated with those pieces. We block being able to experience these pieces because we give our emotions the front seat, put them in the driver's seat, and we allow those emotions to have us skewed from what we're supposed to be doing in response to imperfect people. Imperfect people and imperfect situations, we end up giving our power to and therefore it makes it challenging for our God identity. It has been an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. If you haven't already, please log on to thegrinddefined.com. Click on feed so that you can follow me and you are updated when I upload. That's to get that plain tea. But if you want some tea that has a little something extra special in it, I mean like details about shows like topics, whether or not they're going to be guests, any new segments, what's going on at TaraLamichelle.com, you're definitely going to want to be on the list. So you click join the list and that's how you get that tea with something extra special. At the end of the day, I want you to remember, never, ever, ever forget, don't let the grind define you. You have to define your grind. Until next time, Terrell and Michelle out. Peace and abundant blessings.